Hi, it's Grace from the CSC, and welcome to the Hashtag Finance Podcast, part of the Public Entrepreneur Content Network, and this program is proudly sponsored by the CSC. I'm here today with Edward Field, CEO and Chairman of Dionamid. Um, how are you today, Edward? Excellent. Thanks for hosting. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, all the way from California. That's right, the Bay Area. Okay, and you have you? Did you grow up in California? No, I'm. I was born and raised on the East Coast. I found my way to California after a technology business that I built was acquired by a large Silicon Valley company. Okay, oh, great. A, a large technology company. Which yes. uh, company was that? Well, it was a company called Agile that bought a company I was the founder CEO of, a company called Product Factory. Agile eventually was acquired by Oracle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so what did you, you're obviously now in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Uh, how did you find yourself um, going from technology to cannabis? Well, a few years ago, uh, after a, a, a large exit in an online education technology company named Hot Chalk. Oh, what did that company do? Well, we did, we helped traditional nonprofit universities bring degree programs online for adult learners, masters in education, Wow. business degrees. Now, this company grew explosively over a few years and then effectively was acquired by a German media company called Bertelsmann. What was the play there? <clears throat> why Why did you want it to be acquired by a media company? Well, I, look, we were, we were running a dual-track process and looking carefully at both a strategic exit as well as an IPO, and we really fell in love with the team at Bertelsmann. Bertelsmann is one of the great global media enterprises uh, that has a very long-range view about how to build businesses and create value. And for us, as the largest shareholder at Hot Chalk, what we cared most about was the education mission. And we were totally aligned with the Bertelsmann team. It was just a natural fit. Oh, great. And what kind of uh, things that you learned from your, the technology company could you bring forth to the cannabis industry, do you think? Well, I think that's a big part of the Dionamed story. This is a Silicon Valley-style you know, sort of hyper-growth platform-based approach to cannabis. And what is hyper-growth? Well, for us, uh, really, uh, a year ago, there was, you know, de minimis revenue. Uh, we announced to the street, uh, I think several weeks ago, that we exited the year at a $72 million run rate. We haven't published our Q1 numbers yet. They'll be coming shortly. Uh, but the business is growing at a dramatic clip. Uh, there's 400-plus employees um, you know, we're operating in Oregon, California, Nevada. In fact, first dollar revenue uh, for us arrives this week in Nevada with the launch of Winberry Farms in oh. Las Vegas uh, and in Massachusetts. So this is a company that, you know, sort of came out of nowhere. We were in stealth mode for a couple of years. And then when we launched, it really took off. And you know, the team is performing. Yeah. And what do you mean by stealth mode? Like what, what, what was well, the difference son, between then and now? Yeah, sure. My, you know, my son came to me after the big hot chalk exit and said, Dad, I think we should be thinking about investing in cannabis. And we looked at it very Your carefully. Your son came to you. My to, son okay. did. He was 30, uh, 29 years old at the time. Okay. So he's right in that, uh, you know, like millennial kind of phase where Cannabis entrepreneur yeah, yeah. <laughs> wave. That's absolutely right. Great. And so you trusted him enough to yeah. kind of, okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's how we sort of found our way into cannabis. And, and now three years later, you know, Dionamed is a cannabis brands company. We okay. get our brands to market effectively through two channels. One is the traditional distribution 
to retail dispensaries, and the other channel is direct-to-consumer. We are the largest uh, direct-to-consumer fulfillment provider in the industry. Great. Um, and so what are you seeing? Like, I know uh, one of our, I, you know, Barrington Miller. Yes, of course. Um, he was actually talking to me about, um, I think, a conference that he went to in Miami that was it was very interesting around, like, the branding that's going to have to be done with yep. marijuana. And so where do you see Dionamed kind of fitting within that, and what are you seeing with branding? Yeah, look, the, the market in California in particular, which I think is sort of the most mature market in terms of scale and size. Why do you size, think that? Well, look, California is the largest cannabis market in the world. Uh, many people believe that the best cannabis comes from Humboldt County or from Mendocino or from Salinas. And, you know, there's a tremendous cannabis following in, in California. It's a very fragmented market. So it's early days for brands. Um, we've believed from the beginning that to have a, a brand, a cannabis brand company, and to control your own destiny, you had to have distribution uh, and today, we serve um, approximately 450 of the 490-plus active dispensaries in California. So sort of unprecedented distribution reach for our brands and our brand partners. Now, we also drive direct-to-consumer. So, you know, a customer can go online to orderchill.com, place an order for cannabis, and have it walk up to their door in the can Bay you, Area. Can you just say chill.com again? That was really cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a customer can go to orderchill.com okay, okay. Uh, and, you know, sort of surf through 100-plus different SKUs of cannabis, find the things that they like the most, order them, and get that cannabis delivered to them, uh, uh, you know, sort of at their home or, or wherever they happen to be. So there's going to be like an order. Uber for marijuana well, or an Amazon. Sorry, yeah, Amazon. I, I think Amazon is a better, you yeah. know, sort of uh, uh, analog yeah. for um, direct-to-consumer in cannabis. And it really is all about the logistics. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, look, operating at scale in the direct-to-consumer space means you have to be super efficient. We have over 300 drivers on our payroll. And in California, that's a regulatory requirement. The drivers have to be trained. They have to be background checked. They have to be, you know, sort of proper fit to deliver cannabis, which is a, an intoxicant and a controlled substance. Right. You have to make uh, sure they're not dipping into yeah. the product as they go along. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> Getting Certainly. into the chocolate. Our, our drivers do not. And, and frankly, the bar is higher than what it would be for a DoorDash or a Grubhub or an Uber. Right. And so I've been, I, I, this is the first I've heard of kind of like um, the Amazon part of of the cannabis industry. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think there's another company that plans to do it as well, uh, True Leaf in uh -huh. California, uh -huh. uh, something that I was reading the other day. So where, it, it, where do you fit in with the other kind of cannabis companies in not only just um, delivering the cannabis to people's doors, because that's, that's a new kind of initiative I'm seeing with cannabis companies. Yeah. Um, but where do you think that you stand out the most within that market and can get a kind of leg up on other companies? Look, we sit in between the cultivators and manufacturers and the actual consumer and the end user. Mm -hmm. um, and we make sure that the products are totally compliant, they're properly packaged, 
and they're arriving at the either the retail dispensary or at the consumer's doorstep um, in the in the form it's supposed to be. One of the things we're seeing in the marketplace is that scale is really starting to matter a lot. As the Why? Well, it, it, it matters because the amount of effort and the purchasing power, the relationships with cultivators, with extraction houses, with finished goods packaging, all of that gets better when you get larger and larger. You can afford the cost of in-house counsel. You can afford the cost of a, of a crack regulatory team making sure that the product is getting there. Testing labs want to work with you more because you're doing so much more testing than anybody else. Our average turn time on tests today is about three days. I think the industry average in California is posting north of 10. Wow. So scale makes a big difference. And, and it also matters in terms of making sure you stay compliant. I think the Bureau of Cannabis Control in California is doing a great job of trying to support this transition from a black market and gray market over to a mainstream, you know, sort of legal and regulated market. Yeah. But yeah. it's hard. And I think scale helps manage all of that regulatory noise. Right. Yeah. I know when I was doing uh, some reading as well, it was I, I just couldn't believe how fast you have to move being a cannabis company in that every diff every state has a different um, has different regulatory laws and they change so fast like how fast do they change sometimes like what's the fastest you've seen well look that that's a great question I, I could offer a couple of you know sort of recent events in January there were new testing laws in California that put some disruption into the system and it was associated with a new standard for testing that included heavy metals um, that had some impact on, you know, sort of the entire value chain uh, throughout California. And, the, you know, we knew that that was coming and people organized and prepared for it, but it still had an impact. Now, on the other side of the equation, you've got something where sort of out of the blue, a regulator makes a change and the whole industry has to snap too. Recently, Oregon accelerated a change in the packaging requirements for products. What was that? Yeah, you know, it was it was some labeling issues associated with uh, how products are packaged in Oregon. They accelerated it from the end of May to the end of March and, you know, with with just weeks to go, our team had to scramble up fresh compliant packaging. They had to, you know, sort of move all of the product that was in inventory out into the marketplace and that's an, those are two examples of how, you know, sort of being nimble and ready to be regulatory compliant is really important in cannabis. Other than you kind of scaling up and having the right people in-house to offer you that support when there's a new uh, regulatory change, how else do you get a leg up on regulatory laws? Yeah, you know, I think there's some advocacy work that's enormously important. We have team members who've been advocating with the regulators themselves in several states. What does that mean? Well, so for instance, um, you know, one of our uh, team founders, uh, Felipe Recalde, has had a, a very strong relationship with the Bureau of Cannabis Control and the Cannabis Distribution Association in California. Mm -hmm. Being a participant in the conversation with regulators about how their regulations 
are affecting businesses in the space, where regulations may be slowing things down or where regulations need to change so that the industry can scale up into this moment, you know, I think is part of the work. And we've been really fortunate. And again, because we're operating at scale, we can bring advocates to the table at the moment of truth. Yeah. So you would almost say like it's probably important to have someone strategic like that on your board. Uh, I would add that in addition to having them on the board, it's even more important to have them on the playing field ready to advocate on any given day. Right. And so what do you think is the most challenging um, that um, that you're seeing right now? Yeah, the most challenging aspect of cannabis is the pace of play. Yeah. I mean, the, the industry is shifting from this, you know, sort of tens of billions of dollar industry that was black market over to this regulated legal market. And, you know, I think consumers want more of it. They want to make sure it's a safe, trustable product. Um, and the pace at which the companies are changing in order to adapt and meet those consumer needs is is really intense. Yeah. Uh, let me simply say that, you know, do intensity. Do you sleep? Like you're, are you're, you're well, sleeping? I do you, sleep. Can you, <laughs> you move that fast? I don't even think I lawyers do move sleep. that fast. I do sleep. But I, I can't remember the last time I had a day off on a, any given week. I mean, oh, it's a wow. 7 by 24 roll. And you love it. It's super exciting. I couldn't be more engaged. I've been a part of several Silicon Valley hyper-growth businesses. So mm-hmm. uh, bringing those skills and experience to cannabis has been both rewarding and a lot of fun. It's very exciting to see the, particularly the young cannabis entrepreneurs flourishing at a time when a business like ours could be grown and scaled. Yeah. And what kind of advice would you offer a young entrepreneur going into the cannabis industry? Well, I think it all starts with understanding the end user and the consumer in a really deep, granular way. And who and, do you think that is? Well, if you I th- could summarize it. Yeah, look, I mean, there are different cannabis consumers. So you have the, the millennial consumer. You have the, you know, sort of the canna-curious professional. I think that's one of the most interesting markets. The canna-curious professional. I like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Could, okay. be a, could be a soccer mom who, you know, is a lawyer <laughs> during the day, is picking up her kids, yeah. you know, sort of uh, uh, from the soccer practice field in the afternoon. Okay. Maybe wants to take some alcohol out of her lifestyle, but bring in some other lifestyle type product like cannabis. And, you know, I think that's one of the most exciting components of the market. The the third component of the market that we're very interested in is the boomer market. These are people who are either returning to cannabis after decades away or coming to cannabis for the first time for all of the medicinal benefits and lifestyle benefits that cannabis has to offer, whether it's anxiety management, sleep enhancement, or pain relief. Um, I, I think cannabis is a great product for boomers like myself. And you know, so you're a boomer. I, that was, well, that was my I next question. I was going to ask you. I was like, well, so where do you lie within these? Yeah, <laughs> look, at, at, at 58 years old with four kids out of the house, uh, you know, I'm I'm at the very tail end of the boomer wave, and and I can completely empathize and relate to sleep management and pain relief. I've had several rounds of major back surgery. In fact, my doctor is the one who put me on cannabis five years ago Wow! Uh, to deal with both the back pain issues, but to also make sure I didn't have to be on opiates. And I'm very, very grateful for him having done that. That is the other question that I just, I'm, I read about all the time is like the opiates uh, yeah. crisis, right? And how uh, medical marijuana is kind of 
there some people are looking to medical marijuana as being the number one replacement for that. Yep. But I'm wondering if it, how workplace um, places are going to be able to integrate that. Like how you know you're an entrepreneur, you mm-hmm. don't have to really answer to um, someone who's like, where are you going? Like why would why are you going outside to? Um, smoke a joint or whatever but (laughs) how do you think like that that the workplace is going to integrate medical marijuana users yeah look i mean i think it's happening you know sort of everywhere and i think you know one of the most interesting trends in the marketplace are micro dose products so much lower concentration doses of thc are now available in the form of you know sort of microdose products like mints and edibles and i think people are integrating it into their lifestyle in a very balanced way now there will have to be law changes right for yeah. you know sort of people who work in industries where drug testing is required and i think there's a real question about does you know, marijuana still qualify as a drug that has to get screened out. Nobody gets screened out because of alcohol yeah. from a specific job, for instance. Yeah. And they don't get screened out for opiate use. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. I think there's some new work to be done about how to understand where and how cannabis fits. I also think it's important to remember that not all cannabis products are intoxicants. CBD is an important tool in the toolkit, if you will, mm-hmm. for for doctors and patients to to find relief on all kinds of maladies. So it's exciting to see CBD coming online. Yeah. And it's important to remember that it's not an intoxicant. Yes, exactly. I think, um, yeah, my boss this morning was like, I was came in, I'm like, I'm so stressed. It's weed week. We've got all these podcasts. He's like, well, maybe we should get Grace some CBD. But I'm <laughs> like, Grace what? some low-dose no. CBD. <laughs> Um, but also just in the, I'm also curious about the branding from a branding aspect. What are you seeing right now with athletes and, um, like, uh, celebrities? I know that there's some sort of patent law there that it doesn't allow you to use celebrities on like certain branding products. Can you Mm. elaborate on that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm not actually sure about that particular requirement. What I can tell you is particularly in California, it's still very early days Mm -hmm. from a brand's perspective. The market is super fragmented with thousands of offerings. And for instance, in the, you know, in the lotions and the balm space, it only takes a few million dollars of annual revenue to rank in the top 10 brands. Mm -hmm. So again, it's very, very early. And I think this is one of the reasons why scale and distribution and direct-to-consumer are really powerful tools for creating long-term relationships with consumers and cannabis brands. You know, we acquired a company in Oregon uh, to get a brand that we had fallen in love with called Winberry Farms. Yeah, you have a few acquisitions, actually. We have. Yeah. And, and you know, when we find a company that's done a great job of deeply understanding their consumer mm-hmm. and developing a product that really resonates with that consumer, we get very excited because we think that's the long-term path to success for a cannabis brand. Okay. So, uh, you know, sort of back to your question about what advice would I offer a young uh, cannabis startup entrepreneur, particularly one that's thinking about, you know, how do you create a brand that will resonate in the marketplace and have real demand? It, it starts with deeply understanding that target consumer. And how do you go about understanding them? 
I think there's a lot of approaches to that, but I think it starts with talking to them and having relationships with them and listening to, you know, sort of the things that are most important to them from a lifestyle and from a medical perspective okay. uh, to, to tune, you know, sort of the offering to, to resonate with, um, with those consumers. And how, what uh, does um, Dionamed do to listen to their customers that you think is a really effective way that you're listening? Yeah. Look, <clears throat> we recently announced the hiring of a person named Michelle Sitton to our in a sort of leadership team. She's the chief marketing officer at Dionamed. She runs the organization that drives branding for us and the team that actually talks to consumers. She's got a whole portfolio of brands that she's both curating now as well as developing for the future. And, you know, we're just excited to be operating at a scale that's large enough to support that kind of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you see any kind of... Um when you're listening to um, these um, customers, is there any intake of information? And do you see that being the uh, kind of new wave for cannabis companies? Well, I think for any cannabis company that aspires to actually be a, a long-term brand in the marketplace, it's table stakes to do this work. <clears throat> now, I should be super frank about the fact that I'm not the executive that's leading the charge on that work. We have a super talented team led by Michelle Sitton doing it. Right. I'd love to be involved in it. I'm, I've been a marketing executive my, my entire career, uh, but uh, we have to divide and conquer in the cannabis space. So I'm here with you today yeah. and uh, visiting Toronto where we went public on the Canadian Securities Exchange just last year. Oh, great. And how was that? Uh, what was the strategy behind going public? Look, it, it, it was very, very clear that the most efficient growth capital for cannabis companies was coming out of Canada. And hats off to the Canadians, by the way. I have fallen in love with both Canada, Toronto, and, you know, all of the Canadians that we've partnered with. you got to uh, catch a Raptors game while you're in town, or well, one of the I'm games. I'm planning on you catching a Raptors should. game. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to see them play the Golden State Warriors, which oh. is my team out of the Bay Area. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, you'll have a lot of fun at the game. Yeah. I would, pr- I would say go to a Raptors game over a Leafs game. Okay, yeah. I, I'm going to take the, that. Uh, the, the, just uh, to the heart. energy is so different. And no it's, kidding. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> and what about the Blue Jays? Right? Isn't that the, yeah, uh, the baseball I mean, team? I love baseball. C- this this is not a good year for us. I don't think. I see. So I would say just focus on the Raptors. <laughs> Raptors, it is. Yeah. Then. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. Um, and fitting me into your busy schedule. I know you're here uh, for the conference, Benzinga. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate um, having some time to speak with you. Thanks for investing the time with me. Hi, it's Grace from the CFC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com. Thank you.